The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Online security starts with a click. NordVPN encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP and virtual location. NordVPN helps protect you against bandwidth throttling from internet providers, where ISPs slow down your internet to get you to upgrade. NordVPN allows you to switch your, your country's IP address to access Netflix, Disney+, YouTube Premium, etc. in other countries for cheaper prices. NordVPN offers unparalleled browsing security and protection from hacking of personal data. Get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash 5RSN or use the promo code 5RSN to get a discount on your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift at checkout. All of this is completely risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash 5RSN or use the promo code 5RSN and start saving with the world's leading VPN provider, NordVPN. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561-408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561 561- 408-7835. Water cleanup of Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Caddy. 
a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is not here. Chris Kaufman is. Simon Clancy is out collecting awards again. It's award season in England, I guess. Hello. And can Chris. you can you can you get over the fact that there is an award season for Simon like at this point like <laughs> yes. he's already accepted one really prestigious award for uh for his work on on the podcast that he did with um with Michael Johnson, right? Uh Uh-huh. Defiance. Yeah, that was, uh, Defiance, that's right. I'm, I'm brain fart forgetting the name of it. Um yeah, that he already accepted a really prestigious award for that. And now tonight he's at another award show. So, you know, the guys the guy's all famous and, and stuff, and we're just sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah, and and as far as you know, awards. I remember one time I was when I was working on Sports Bang, I told uh, Billy Gill, now of the Levitard show, I told him, Did you know that we're eligible for an Emmy? You know, a local Emmy, by the way. You know, not a local Emmy, local Emmy, not the full blown Emmy. It's still and, an Emmy. It's still right. an Emmy. And is it spelled Billy- is it spelled M dot E instead of Emmy? Like, well, the, the statue looks exactly the same, by the way. It's just, you know, it's just uh, the Emmy that you get. It's like a regional Emmy, all right? It's like winning the state championship in high school football, but not winning the national championship in high school football. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? So I tell, you- Billy, I tell Billy Gill, hey, man, like, you know, we got to start submitting shit to, to these people to try to get nominated. At least if we get nominated, we're an Emmy nominated show. And he like giggled at me. And I looked at him like, no, I'm serious. Like, like <laughs> I, I want to do this. Serious, we can do that. <laughs> you know, could I you really imagine want- what would what would the what would the generic version of the Emmy statue like look like? Like you know, like the generic I've seen the, one. the generic the generic brands at the store, you know, like Dr. Check or something I've like seen that. One. I've seen one. I have a friend who won one for director of the Rose Bowl parade. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he showed me his. He brought me his, and I and I'm like, oh, that, that that's pretty nice. It's exactly like the full blown Emmy, except smaller. It's about three smaller. quarters the size. Yes. <laughs> so an Emmy is about twelve that's inches. That's funny in itself. Yeah, it's twelve inches tall. An Emmy is about twelve inches tall. The local Emmy is like nine inches tall. <laughs> you get you get a smaller one. Yeah, so it's like it's like if you won a Lombardi, but not really, and, and they give you like a little a half a Lombardi, and you just look at it like it doesn't feel the same way as a Lombardi. Or, or like if your if your Super Bowl ring was a pinky ring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, imagine no, imagine you you are the the travel secretary for an NFL team. Your team wins the Super Bowl. All the players get the big gaudy rings, and your ring has one diamond on it. You get you get a, you get like a Super Bowl ring pop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yours is like you know it's fake gold, it has <laughs> cubic zirconia. You know what I mean? You go and you go to try to pawn it, and they offer you fifty bucks for it. You know what I mean? While you know a player can get two hundred grand for his. You've got you've got like a commemorative Super Bowl coin that that has chocolate inside of it. Perfectly, that's what they give you. That's what they give you. You know. So yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, they do they do this. By the way, and in the NBA, I know for a, I don't know how it works in the NFL. I'm pretty sure it works the same way. But in the NBA, they do this. Like if you're on the broadcast team, you get a ring. And I know for a fact that those rings are worth somewhere around four to five thousand dollars. While like let's say you have Dwayne Wade's ring, 
it's worth $250,000. So just a slight difference. Just a slight. You know? When you're Dwayne Wade, when you're, when you're Dwayne Wade, though, that's actually, I mean, he's made so much more. <laughs> yes. His career puts, puts all of us to shame. Well, that's why, you know, like Pat Riley, uh, Chris Bosch was inducted to, into the Hall of Fame this past year, and he returned mm-hmm. Pat Riley's ring that he had given him in, uh, in 2011, which means that Pat Riley gave Chris Bosch one of his championship rings and wow. forgot about it for the better part of 10 years. <laughs> he forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. And I guess when you have honey, nine honey, championships. where's my ring? <laughs> when, when you have nine championships, it tends to work that way. How come this drawer only has eight rings? Yeah. Before we get into football, by the way, have you seen that show Winning Time on HBO Max? Not no, that they're a sponsor. They should be. Uh, it's about the start of the Lakers dynasty. It's some of the greatest television you're ever going to see. Really? Yes. Everybody looks. Uh, Adrian Brody plays Pat Riley. Oh, okay. oh, oh, that's a good casting. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, you, you, do you understand their history? Do you remember their history? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I know the I know the broad strokes of it. OK, uh, they bring in they bring in Jack Mc, McKinney uh, to be the head coach. And he brings in Paul Westhead with him to basically revolutionize the, the, the sport. They had a really, really good team. And, and this is going to tie in later. They had a really, really good team, but they decided, you know, what, we're going to play a different way. And that's going to make us championship good, because before then they were just like a contender, like they can make the Western Conference finals, but maybe not win the finals. So they're going to play fast, essentially. Jack McKinney lasts 13 games into the season because he had a bicycle accident. Spoiler alert if you're watching the, the episode. <laughs> the episodes. Ooh, gave it away. Episode yes. six. And then at the time, Pat Riley is just the travel, travel secretary and broadcaster, okay? But they give him a spot on the bench next to Paul Westhead when he takes over. They win the NBA Finals that year. And at season's end, Dr. Jerry Buss just looks over and says, you know what? I kind of like you. <laughs> and promotes <laughs> Pat Riley to be head coach. Nine championships later, here we are. <laughs> it's basically, it's basically uh, like my future. Like somebody's going to like listen to the podcast and be like, you know, you should be the head coach. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating how all of those things happen. And all of that is true. None of it is is fake or Hollywood. It's all the truth. As always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. All right, let's talk a little bit of football. Okay. Uh, Chris, Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill and the media's, I don't know how, how the, why this happened or how it happens, but there were the responses. Essentially, we got worse. And really? Kansas City got better, yes, if you believe them, if you listen to them all day. And one byproduct of all of this, and I think nothing better than today. This morning, Pat McAfee was speaking to uh, Chris Long. You remember him? Uh, defensive I end. do. I okay. Do. He was on ESPN Get Up, and Pat McAfee was a guest on there with Chris Long. And they asked Chris Long not about the Miami Dolphins. They asked him about the Las Vegas Raiders and Devontae Adams. Uh And he decided that that was a perfect moment to interject 
I think Devonta Adams makes sense as a trade target because he has a quarterback that can throw to him, un- unlike Tyreek Hill, who has Tua Tungabailoa, who can't throw and can't play. Now, he volunteered that, and they didn't even ask him about it. There seems to be it, – it's an epidemic. It's everywhere, okay? Skip Bayless has asked Tyreek Hill to retire. That's, that's a true story, by the way. And Shannon Sharp says that Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter by week four. What do you make of what the national media has done with this trade? Doesn't it feel like it, the whole thing is just kind of snowballing onto itself? And at this point, it's just, uh, I mean, it's its kind of become, um, you know, theater at this point. Like, and, I mean, it's all theater, I guess. But and Mike, if, Tan- Mike Tannenbaum's take was just, you know. Oh, was, man, the guy, that was I saw that. Yeah, the guy, yeah, the guy just, yeah, he went off. Like, um <laughs> It's like, tell us how you really feel. Um, no, it, it just seems like it's become, you know, it, it always is theater and football media, but this has become sort of a game at this point, you know? Uh, and, and I think it's, I think it's because, I mean, one, there was like an unusual amount of, of criticism towards uh, to a tongue of a little, I think um, for a little bit, but there was also an unusual you know, kind of um, clap back from from the uh, from the Miami fans mm-hmm. uh, and the two the two of fans and um, and then you know the cute nicknames and stuff like that start start coming and now it's become like this thing because because the perception is that Tua has like this cult following <laughs> yes. among Miami Dolphin fans that they've it's created become, by the way <laughs> yeah it well right but but it's become like a um, a game now like. Hey, let's let's poke them to get get a reaction, and <laughs> yeah. um, and so they're they're doing it constantly because because it keeps working. It's like the you know it's like a slot machine that wins every time, you know, <laughs> and, and so they they're just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and uh, and I I think and it's just going to drive that like cohort of fans even more crazy <laughs> every single time. And, um, and it's just, it's gonna, it's, it's entertainment. And that's, that's what it's turned out to be. I think it's all become a game at this point. Chris Long, of course, he was a former Patriot. So, um, so fuck mm. him. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I particularly enjoyed Mike Tannenbaum's take that we actually didn't improve and new England is now better because we made that trade for Tyreek Hill. I like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get how you get these. How do you get that from what happened this past week? You know, there's been such a, there's been such a mass and drastic move into this, the space of, um, of dumping all over, (laughs) all over Miami's quarterback situation that they actually, they actually bumped Colin coward out of it. Yes. Like, (laughs) like they moved in and then he got, he got like bumped out. Like everybody just like uh, like heard it in, and he's he's left. So he's so now he's on the other side of it. He, now he, I just saw him say that um, that Tua Tungvaloa is the second best quarterback in the AFC East. Yes, and and Miami's the second best team, and Miami is that. the second best team. And he and he said you know Tua Tungvaloa and Mac Jones are kind of you know the same quarterback almost, but uh, you know he gives the edge. He thinks Tua is better. And, uh, and he thinks the Dolphins are better than the Patriots. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know that there's been this, you know, kind of move of people when even Colin Coward has to take the other side now. 
Because yeah, he's like, it, it, these people are going way too far. It's it's like, well, he's like, it, it got too crowded in here. He doesn't, he likes open spaces. He likes to be, he likes to be the, you know, the lone, the lone a-hole, like, you know, on the <laughs> yes. other side. And, yeah. um, and so he's not anymore. So now he's, now he's got to come over to the, to his side. He's going to become a two. You know what? Chris Sims has done that too. Yeah. Chris Sims has done that a little bit too. Like he has, he has completely. So these guys that used to be the biggest Tua Tungvaloa, you know, critics are, they have to take the other side. And that just shows you what a farce the whole thing is. <laughs> yes, it's, it so. really has, especially when Teddy Bruski's take on it. Cause I, I guess Teddy Bruski woke up in, in the morning and, you know, had his scrambled eggs and his bacon. I don't even know if that's what he had, but let's just say he did and decided, you know what? I need a new fresh take. And his take was, why are the Miami Dolphins improving the team for the next quarterback? Uh, boy, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a take. That's a hell of a take, right? That's a, that's a take, I guess. So, so in other words, uh, Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel are saying, you know what? Let's build this team for this, uh, you know, this ghost quarterback that we're going to have in 2023 that nobody knows who it is, right? It could be anything. Well, it could be Lamar Jackson. It could be Tom Brady. It could be anybody. But that's that's one of the reasons that you go ahead and and you you build the offense because hey maybe it maybe it doesn't work out. But if it doesn't work out, then you have you have a pitch to to the next guy. You know, because I don't think they're gonna. I don't know that they're gonna have patience to go with a rookie um, in, in the last year's draft. If if it were to come to that, I think I think they're gonna be trying. Well, I, I mean, everybody's eyes on Tom Brady, right? Because he's gonna be a free agent. Mm-hmm. And and he already he already decided that he's not actually retiring. So so maybe the and he's doing like, TikToks with uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so, so he's not helping uh, matters much either. Definitely, but you know, he's he's feeding the you know he's feeding the narratives there. But um, you know, so the eyes will be on him and and anybody else you know any that that shakes loose. I mean, we said we said last week, keep an eye on Kyler Murray. I mean, there's obviously a situation boiling up with uh, Lamar Jackson um, in Baltimore. So, um, you know, I'm not saying these guys are going to come. It's just that this is one reason that you just build a good football team because good things happen, um, even when things don't go according to plan. And I I think that trading for Tyreek Hill, as they did, it put Miami really on the map. Um, uh, on everybody's radar nationally, uh, whether it be players or coaches or, uh, media personalities, certainly. And, um, and they have to take notice and say, wow, you know, they've built something good and, and they're, then they're going to go, oh, but that quarterback, I don't know, but, but still, you know, any other quarterback that's looking at Miami is going to be like, yeah, I'll throw the ball. I'll throw the ball to Jalen Waddle and, uh, Tyreek Hill and, 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 Mike Gesicki and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, they're, they're they're building something, but the the irony is that they're not building it for the next guy. They're they're building it so that this guy can, can succeed, and uh, and well, he will probably. I mean, he's we. I think we know what he is. I think he'll he'll perform well enough to uh, to continue on in the job. Um, he'll have to improve if he wants to be actually one of the top, the, the top quarterbacks in the league, like in a real sense and not just in a production sense. But, um, but yeah, I think even with the skill set that he has, look at what they did to the left side of the line. I mean, that's just that 
that's so, that's going to be so much ridiculously better than what was than what was there last year. And now the wide the wide receiver units is going to be crazy better too. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, well we said that last year, and then Will Fuller missed the whole season. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it's a little bit different with Tyreek Hill. Uh, the gravity, uh, like I said, uh, he has mm. a gravitational pull, and yes. in a football game that you can't really quantify, which is. No. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we're going to get into the expectations here because I have a couple of notes here. Uh, one from sports writer Barry Jackson. Uh, did you mm-hmm. like that one, by the way? <laughs> yeah, sports writer. <laughs> so I'll have one from him, and and I could elaborate on that. But, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they were telling me, yeah, you know, Devontae Adams is better. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I understand that Devontae Adams is probably a better wide receiver. And that Jamar Chase has better numbers. But I was arguing, you know, a Tyreek Hill 90 catch, 1,100 yard or 1,200 yard season with nine touchdowns might be better than a Jamar Chase 110 catch, 1,300 yard, 13 touchdown season. And the reason that is so is because of the gravity that Tyreek Hill pulls. Uh, He changes how teams play. There's not many players like how many players are there in, in, in this league that are not, you know, unblockable edges like the Boza brothers and Miles Garrett that actually change the way you play football. Like how many players are there? McCaffrey, yeah, I mean, you can argue maybe. That's why, that's why they were, they were able to just like, you know, no, no looking, you know, no looking back, just go for it. Mm-hmm. Because because they're they're not just getting a guy that's been productive and and that you can look at look at his catches and his highlights and say oh man that's talented um, they're getting a guy that the whole league is is aware of and has been aware of for years and they've been forced to change the way that they play defense against against his team and so you're getting you're getting a lot of uh, impact even when he doesn't have the ball. And then, uh, and then on top of it, you know, you're actually getting some good, good production too. Um, but it's interesting that there's, there's so much um, sentiment that he doesn't fit to a, you know, at all. And, um, and I think that that's, you know, you're, you're not really paying attention to how often, how often Tyreek Hill actually catches the ball in the short ball, which is yeah. which overwhelming majority on the time. Yeah, there's a great stat out there. Um, uh, Juan, which is uh, I don't, I can't can't pronounce his Twitter. I think it's exclusivity, but he had a stat, and it was a great stat uh, last year. Pat Mahomes, uh, 35 yards or more to Tyreek Hill four times. Tua Tagovailoa, 35 yards or more to Jalen Waddle four times. <laughs> yeah, so both guys had as many. 35 yard or more receptions last year. So, you know, that tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Now I've mentioned sports writer, Barry Jackson earlier. He says that the dolphins have sold more season tickets are at the top of the league. As far as season tickets, I have a little bit of more news on that. They have the highest season ticket base since 2002. Do you know what happened in 2002? Yeah, well, I unfortunately I do know, um, but they traded for Ricky Williams. They yes. ran for about a million yards, <laughs> and uh, and then went nine and seven and missed the playoffs because Jake Jay Fiedler 
yes. who is not a great quarterback, obviously. Um, but but you can be a great quarterback for your team when your backup is that much worse. <laughs> yes. And um, and so he, he missed six games. And then they missed the playoffs because he missed six games. Uh, I think it was six. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah. if you remember, if you remember that season, they were nine and five, and the one seed. Okay, mm-hmm. for that means uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, a bye, and everything. They were nine and five with the one seed after winning a showdown game against number two seeded Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. Then they lost the last two games of the season with Jay Friedler. They lost to Minnesota, where mm-hmm. they blew a two-touchdown lead in the second half. And they lost to the Patriots, where they lost, they blew an 11-point lead with four minutes left in the game. <laughs> nice. Okay. So it was it was one of an epic collapse. So through 14 games, that trade paid all kinds of dividends. Because I remember, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day walking out of what is now Hard Rock Stadium after we defeated the Raiders, after Patrick Sertan intercepted uh, a Rich Gannon deep ball as they were trying to get back into the game. I remember walking out of that stadium and thinking to myself, my God, this trade, this team, not only do we have a top two defense, we have the best running game in the league, and now we have the number one seed with – Two slap dick teams coming up because if you remember the, that that uh, Minnesota Vikings team was absolutely terrible that year, mm-hmm. and the Patriots that year did not make the playoffs. They were eight and eight. So yeah, they were. Well, were they eight and eight that year? Or I thought they. Yeah, I, I thought they went like nine and seven, maybe. But they could have they could have finished nine and seven or something like that. But they, I know that they were out of the out of it the last week of the season. Because a lot of people were debating, why are they starting uh, Tom Brady when they could just, you know, start anybody? And they started Tom Brady that last game. And sure enough. Well, that was also like, you remember back then, I mean, they, they had won that Super Bowl in 2001 with Brady. But mm. but also it's like, um, yeah, they finished nine and seven, by the way. Um, but it was also like, oh, wait, maybe that was maybe that was kind of a fluke. And, um, and, you know, Tom Brady, he isn't all that good. He's a system quarterback. He's, you know, that, that it, it really, it really was being laid on around that time. And, uh, and then, and then they won two straight Super Bowls after that. Yeah. And the expectation is, and this is also reported by Barry Jackson, that every game will be sold out very, very soon. Yeah. Meaning before that. the draft, every game will be, pre-sold out already so we're talking about a fan base that is kind of excited are these expectations are they are they warranted like is this do you remember another time where you were as excited for a miami Dolphins season as this one that's a tough one um i think people were pretty excited about last year uh you know i think that the commonly people thought that they could go uh 11 and 6 um you know, those which and, and make the playoffs and win a playoff game. And uh, and it was a very common common to think so. Um, this year, I saw that Vegas is putting their playoff odds like they're they're If you want to make a bet on on the Dolphins getting to the playoffs, it's uh, it's a plus one twenty five, mm-hmm. which is um, damn near which is, even money. Yeah, it's damn near. It's it's basically even money, but with the um, you know, with the the fee that that uh, that Vegas puts on any bet, um, 
So, yeah, it's about even money about whether they're going to make the playoffs or not, which I think after firing Brian Flores and sort of starting over, if you think about that, um, it's interesting that 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 they've done so much in this offseason that the they're not they're not dinging Miami considerably, you know, for for that because they did not make the playoffs, obviously. And um, and then, then they fired the coach and, and everybody thinks that the, the firing of the coach was unreasonable, uncalled for, um, you know, et cetera. And so Miami, Miami wasn't going to be plus 125 to make the playoffs. That's for sure. Hmm. Um, they were going to be, they were going to be like plus plus 200 or plus 300. Um, but it's interesting that that's the impact of what they've done in the offseason. That's the impact and specifically of Tyreek Hill. Like it's it's amazing. Just one acquisition really did that. Yeah. And in that regard, Dolphins have a pretty good history with first year coaches making the playoffs. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Don Shula, Jimmy Johnson, Dave Wanstead, uh, Tony Sperano, Adam Gase. <laughs> Adam all Gase of them, did. all of them in their first year made the playoffs. Like the ones that didn't, who are the ones that didn't? It's Joe Philbin. It's Cam Cameron, but you know you can't blame Cam Cameron. Uh, <laughs> you can't blame Brian Flores either because they destroyed his team. Oh God, yeah. And who else? That's it, right? It's uh, oh Nick Saban. Nick Saban went nine and seven and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, no, he. Yeah, and we had we had really high expectations for that second season with him too. And it was an absolute After dud. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a dud. So we have we but, tend to have a lot of luck with first year head coaches. Well, first year head coaches in general, if you look at the the history, um, there's generally, I think, a an average like plus one and a half, you know, plus two wins for a new head coach mm-hmm. um, anywhere, just anywhere in the NFL. Uh, and I'll, I think a lot of that is because new head coaches tend to take on take take up really bad teams. So maybe there's a um, there's nowhere to go but up. But uh, but I, even even on the the middling teams or the good teams, uh, if you look at the history of it, they they generally win more games. They win more than the previous. And so we went nine and eight. And if the history and the averages um, hold, then you are looking at a a uh, eleven win season, 10-11 win season. Yeah. So, you know, if we're talking about expectations. I would say the expectations have increased since last year. No, like you tend to agree with that, right? Man, that's really hard because I think there were there were expectations last year, though. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, last year I think we were all happy if they made the playoffs and mm-hmm. lost in the first round. I think now uh, I don't know. No, I, I think people people I th- I thought people wanted that you know there to be finally a playoff win last year, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's what they're they're aiming for. Like because remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They had just, they had just missed the playoffs. They'd gone 10 and six and missed the playoffs, which usually doesn't happen mm-hmm. in, in 2020. So improvement there was looking like 11 wins and, and this time actually winning a playoff, getting in the playoffs and not just getting in there, but winning a playoff game. I think that a lot of, I think that a lot of people held that, held that as the standard. So it, I, I think it's, I don't think it's more than last year. I think it's interesting that it's just as much as last year because what the dolphins have done should have really just knocked everyone's expectations back 
as far as replacing the coach. Now, a, a, a popular coach, I should say. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Do you look at the team differently? Like, do you now look at the, the Bills matchup and think, we could take a game from these guys? Or do you still see us as second tier in the AFC East? Uh, I think they could take a game from the Bills. I think for some reason the Bills owned Brian, uh, Brian Flores' teams. Um, I'm curious how how things might change for um, you know for the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel as the head coach. Um, sometimes it has a way of doing that, but um, I think that yeah they could take it. I mean. You look at it, yeah, I think the expectations are about what they were last year. But if you look at, say, the results and the way last year played out and then what the team what the team is stacked up and how it's made up this year, I mean, you can't help but think they're just better. They're just flat better because they kept the exact same defense, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I can't think of it. I can't even think of anybody of note whatsoever that they lost. Justin uh, Coleman. Um, that's the only guy they lost off of last I year. I said, I said of note, <laughs> you know, but that's the, but that's the point. And, um, and it's not as if it's not as if they were full of a bunch of old guys who just got older and, and might drop off a cliff. No, they're they have not, an ascending defense. And, and in fact, they have two very young promising guys who will probably continue to, you know, one would think Jalen Phillips and uh, and and um, what's his name? And uh, why am I forgetting? His Javon name? Holland. Uh, Javon Holland. Thank you. Um, in the in the secondary, one would think they're just continue to get better. They were first years for crying out loud, right? So um, so one would think that they continue to get even better. So from a player pay, paper standpoint, they should get even better. Uh, they have the same defensive coordinator. They don't have Brian Flores. Um, but it's the same defense. It's the same de- defensive coaching staff for the for the most part. So they should have been been the same. And then on the offense, you replace that left side of the line with an actually good, legitimately good left side. Like imagine that. Like for, forget going, forget having historically bad. You've gone from historically bad to legitimately good on mm-hmm. the left side of the line. Um, we'll see what they're, they still got in store for the right side of the line, but, uh, but then you add also Tyree kill and it's like, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's significantly better. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, we're going to get into that in a second, but, uh, I was watching some Connor Williams tape and by the way, uh, before I get into a little bit of Connor Williams and basically just recap the, the free agency period and which, you know, we'll throw in the, the Tyree kill trade as well. But uh, the coach, Mike McDaniel, was at the at the owners meetings and he says, uh, and I kind of like that he said this, April 4th, the team's finally getting together. And what he's going to do, he's going to try to install what are practice standards and then try to get everybody, you know, up to speed with the nomenclature. You know, I think we got to take that into account as well. These guys have to learn a new way to practice, a new way of doing things. So. You know, I think it's going to be imperative, whatever they do on Monday, that they, you know, they catch up to, to speed. Now, I want to ask you something about Connor Williams, because I was watching some Connor Williams tape. And if you watch him, 
like you sometimes i was like there's something going on here like you know this this play is going on way too long and i look and okay it's not on slow motion it's it's at real real speed but i count one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand and now he's breaking down or even holding which is a product of the quarterback even you know holding the ball way too long i don't know if you've watched enough of connor williams to see what are his issues but he tends to win a lot initially against anybody. And I watched the entire game against the against the 49ers where he was going up against some some pretty tough dudes. Uh, your thoughts? Have you seen enough of Connor Williams to have an opinion of what his issues might be? Because I'm going to go ahead and blame Dak Prescott for, for most of those <laughs> issues. No, uh, so so when when we reviewed uh, Connor Williams as an acquisition, um, what I you know what I was trying to tell people because I had watched uh, a number of his games, um, and you know let's take aside the holding penalties and let's take aside the penalties uh, for a second, which is is hard to do because they are important, but let's take them aside. Um, you look at the bare building blocks there, and he has legitimately the skill set to be, uh, and well, essentially an all pro at the guard position. Um, and and you know, I, I don't really say that lightly, I don't, and you certainly don't say that about every um, prospect or not prospect, but every player, because no, they don't have that ability. Um, but he does. And it's because he has a lot of lateral mobility, a lot of mobility off the ball. He is also very explosive uh, and forward off the ball um, and, you know, straight ahead. And he, so he explodes into the pads of, of guys uh, lined up across from him um, and straight ahead blocking, but he's also got that lateral mobility for, uh, for zone blocking. He's got this mentality. That's definitely through the whistle, which is part of, mm-hmm. part of why he gets the, the penalties. Um, and then, uh, you know, so you're looking at it and it's like, okay, well maybe he's a guy just kind of looking at his build and everything. And, and so certain situations that he gets to, okay, maybe he's, he's a guy that doesn't hold up um from an anchor standpoint and and but then you look at it and you look at it and you look at us more and you look at us more and you're just like well actually no he's he's doing that he's generally doing that um there's a few times if there's anything to nitpick about him aside from the holding penalties it's uh there's a few times that uh that some bigger some of the bigger more powerful defensive tackles out there i can think of uh vita vea uh, on one play um you know they can they can really get into him and uh and if they get a good explosive explosive uh start off the ball then he can get walked back a little bit end up in the quarterback's lap but he's not getting beaten beaten you know um it's it it might impact the quarterback it's not going to be the same thing as a, as a sack he he is very very good and built to be you know what he, he reminds me of is if he dropped the penalties and just, and, and this might even be true already of the season that he already had for Dallas. If he dropped the penalties, mm. if you just drop it, he, he might end up the quality that we saw from Evan Mathis. Um, from, I had a different name. Oh, you had a different name, but I, I, I think he might be the quality that we saw out of Evan Mathis 
who was a dolphin, by the way, <laughs> and we actually gave him up and then he became an all pro for years. Um, but yeah, he, he has that kind of ability now on the, on the downside, you cannot just, you can't, you can't just pretend there are no penalties because they're huge. They're like sacks, every single one of them. Um, so you can't disregard them. You've got to uh, take account of them. And if he can't, if he can't get rid of them, then he's not going to be that valuable of a player as like an all pro would be. Um, but he, he's, he's very, very talented. The guy that comes to mind to me is Mark Dixon. Oh, Mark Dixon. Yeah. Nice player for the Dolphins in, in the early 2000s. One of the best guards I've ever seen here. He ended up playing tackle for this team uh, toward the end of I his remember, career. I recall left tackle. They, they yeah. needed him at left tackle for a year. And, and just and like, just like right Connor, in, Connor played Williams well. can do it. And Connor yeah. Williams could probably do that too. Um, you know, for a year or something like that. I think, I think that's, that's right. And uh, yeah, maybe Mark Dixon is a, is a fair comparison. Um, I think that Connor is a little bit more zone mm. um, than, than your average offensive lineman or even your average good offensive lineman, the good offensive guards or interior linemen that you think of. I think he's a little bit more, more zone oriented, which I think is Evan Mathis's game. Um, but that's so that's one of the reasons I say him. But yeah, he's he's good. He's going to be a really good left uh, left guard as long as he drops those penalties, uh, which is understandably a big if. Yeah. Now we're not going to grade the what they did in free agency because I'm pretty sure both of us are in the A's and we're not going to you know go back and forth on an A plus or an A minus. Yeah, <laughs> okay. right. Leave that for somebody else. But we're going to look at it from the glass half full perspective. Do you think they missed out on anything in this free agency period? Is there something that they should have done that they should have addressed in your opinion? Well, but, well yeah. I mean, first off, you, you have to look at you can't do everything. But at the same time, the right tackle position is currently an unacceptably bad. Mm. Um, the right tackle position is. I would, I can accept, I mean, depending on what you're doing with Robert Hunt, if Robert Hunt is staying at guard and at right guard, then you look at the right tackle position and you say it is unacceptably bad. So that's, that's bad. That's, that's not good. That's, that's, that is unacceptably bad. Um, but center is another area where they could have upgraded and, you know, I'd be nervous about Michael Dieter doing the whole year because just because he could, he could be, well, he could legitimately end up the weakest link on the line, depending on how the line, the line shakes out. Um, you know, if they do better at right tackle somewhere and right guard, but um, yeah, so that's it. That's it. It's right tackle center. Um, they, they are accepting, accepting really, really bad there. I, I would also say the running back position um, where they've got, Yes, they've got Chase Edmonds, who I like. They've got Raheem Mostert, who I like. But Raheem Mostert is, you know, two seasons forward from his heyday, really. Um, and and also coming off injuries and also getting it to an age that where running backs really, really kind of drop off, especially if they're showing the flash and the signs like he is of, of getting injured every year. 
So we're kind of like, oh, but but it doesn't matter because we've also got Chase Edmonds. And, and you're like, well, yeah, but Chase Edmonds wasn't a load carrier either. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a talented back. And so you're kind of like, oh, did we did we get an did we get a bunch do we get a couple of B's? And um, and we still don't have an A when you get right down to it. And so that's where you're like, okay, well, it would have been nice to still have that number 29 pick and get a running back at the end of the the first round or, um, you know, or to have a, a second round pick and do that. Um, they can't do either of those things. Uh, and that's kind of scary. They can't, it, it's, you're, you're getting down to very few choices to try and uh, improve that right tackle position. Yeah. As of right now, they just have a bunch of guys and they're just pointing and saying, look, look, you know, we got five guys. Yeah. <laughs> As if all, all five can play at the same suck. time. <laughs> they all suck. You know? Yeah. If you, if you, if you put them together like Voltron, they might equal one mediocre offensive lineman. If they all um, play together at the same time, they let us play with like 15 guys on offense. Then, yeah. you know, we can get the crap out of out some, great. some ends. <laughs> yeah. It'd work out great. I think the best thing that the best move that they might have left on the table at this point would be um, to just go ahead and kick Robert Hunt out to right tackle and, um, you know, just bite the bullet there and and then go ahead and sign uh, Michael Schofield, who played for the Chargers last year. He's, Frank Smith is familiar with him. He's familiar with the scheme. Very reliable player. Very, very, um, you know, sound in, in the way that he plays within that scheme. He, you can tell he plays he plays extra, like as far as, continuing to find work and on the run plays, which is a big thing for the scheme. Like you have to in zone, you have to, you have to get out and get moving and stay moving and just keep engaging and keep engaging and keep engaging. He does that. Uh, He's also looked really reliable in pass protection. Um, And so I think that he's, he's probably the best option. You go ahead and get him at right guard and then move Robert, Robert Hunt over to right tackle. And you've probably plugged it up. You haven't gotten, you know, it's not like you've improved that right side like you did the left. Um, but that's not on the table at this point. You spent your resources elsewhere, like on Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but you would at least you would at least plug it up. And that's that's what's scary to me is they haven't plugged anything up yet on that right side. Yeah, and I really like to pay attention to whatever the coach says because I think he's very measured in who he mentions. And he seems to, there seems to be a pattern here. He meant, well, you know, if he mentions all the free agent signings, like you got to just toss that away. It doesn't mean anything because what he's going to do, he's, he's not going to mention them by name. You know, you just sign these guys. So he's going to mention them. But players that are on the team that he mentions on that offensive line, it's two guys that he's mentioned by name. That's Hunt and Dieter. What does that tell you? But he hasn't mentioned Liam Meikenberg or Austin Jackson by name yet. That tells you that yeah. the general manager has probably told him, you know what? If somebody, you know, tosses a second rounder our way, Austin Jackson's probably out of here. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> if somebody tosses a second rounder out of us for Austin Jackson, I mean, we would I would I would personally escort him. <laughs> you know, um, and out of all the running backs, Miles Gaskin. If I were Miles Gaskin, I would not buy a house. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah because seriously. he's mentioned Sorry. Savon Ahmed twice. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, Besides and the that's... free agent guy. So uh, hello, Savon Ahmed. Uh, yeah, Savon Ahmed. I can I can tell you right now. Go buy a house. I think you made the team. Okay. Well, unless you're terrible in camp. You know what I mean? 
here's reality though. If you're Savant or, or if not Savant, if you're Miles Gaskin, first off, I, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Miles Gaskin, but this is all about scheme at this point. Um, and Miles Gaskin is not a scheme fit in my opinion for this style of running. Uh, I think he's, I think he's, uh, too, you know, let's call it patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think he's a, a great fit for this scheme. Uh, I think they're, it's kind of a very specific thing that they're looking for in running backs. And I don't think he's it. Um, and then the other thing is you're, you're like, okay, he's, he's talking about Robert Hunt. And I think that's an obvious one because he's widely considered the best in, incumbent offensive lineman on the team. Mm-hmm. But he's also talking about Dieter. And I tried to raise this, you know, before they really did anything in free agency, we're trying to figure out or speculate what they're going to do at the center position. You know, is it going to be, are they going to go after um, the guy at James Daniels in Chicago who he liked? Are they going to, uh, I don't know. remember if uh, Treader was JC Treader was already available or not, but it's it, like, there's all these options. A lot of people thought that they would, they would go for the um, guy in Tennessee, right? Yeah, um, Ben Jones, and they did ben not. They Jones, never made contact ben, with Ben Jones. They, they never, did they, make contact they with. They did make contact with JC Treader, but it seems like JC Treader. Yeah. There's something wrong with him. Well, but it, it was it was like per, it was preliminary contact. It wasn't you know mm-hmm. nothing nothing even serious. Um, so so they didn't, and and I was certain before even that started us. I, I was trying to figure it out, and I was like, well, you know, there is a distinct possibility that they come in and they look at Michael Dieter, and they're like he's a scheme fit like forgetting forgetting the overall level of what he did last year we get him into this scheme he's going to blossom better and one of the reasons that i said that is because he played this scheme at wisconsin and in fact he was the um the center for wisconsin i think it was the 2016 season Mm -hmm. uh alec ingold was the fullback by the way um and you know, that it was, it was this scheme. And so they're, they might be looking at that and saying, you know what, it might not be ideal, but we certainly get away with it. And, and when you get right down to it, Dieter's got a relationship with Tua. So it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, you're worried about the, the center quarterback uh, relationship. And so, yeah, they're, they're probably, they're probably going to roll with that. And they don't have much of a choice, but they're going to roll with it. Yeah, like they, they looked at it and said, you know what, that we got other options, but this is not a bad one, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's go fix what are bad options, which are namely the guys that should not be named, mentioned, which the coach won't mention at all. Like it, it's hilarious how you watch him at a press conference. He mentions a bunch of names, but he doesn't mention the obvious ones. You know, mm-hmm. maybe somebody has to ask him, hey, what's your opinion? What's your opinion of Austin Jackson and Liam Meikenberg? Like, you know, what do you think? <sighs> yeah. You know, to see what kind of coach speak he could come up with, right? So that begs the question. Oh, by the way, uh, another guy that should not buy a house, Michael Pilardi. Yeah, uh, I don't think you're coming back, buddy. Because <laughs> you're even the general manager is like, yeah, we're we're on the lookout, but you know, that's a position that could shake out. And like, he hasn't even mentioned Pilardi is like, you know, he's still around. You know, yeah. So I guess they've decided they've decided that Michael Pilardi is is a goner, so they're replacing the punter. All right. And that's going to be how we're going to close, by the way. But before we close with that, which are our needs going into the draft, uh, Devontae Parker, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not a secret anymore. He's on the block. I'm told that they want a third round equivalent. And if they get it, 
he's gone. Uh, first of all, what would you do with him? Would you even keep him? Like, you know, would you keep him? Like, what are your thoughts on Devontae Parker? What would you like to use him for? Moving up in the draft, a player, etc. If it came down to it, it's really not that much money. Um, you could you could keep him. You could you could you could justify keeping him. I think it's I think it's kind of almost you know to to have your number because consider he is the number four, mm-hmm. and you are looking at probably what like 300 snaps for that number four guy um and that's not even past snaps that's just snaps mm-hmm. and so and so you're looking at you know a guy that can maybe have a 300 400 yard year um and i think that you know you look at that and you're like i don't know if i could justify that for what is a six and a quarter million dollars or something like that but at the same time, it's, you know, it's six and a quarter isn't really all that much. I mean, there's, you see guys, you see guys that are making 6 million that are just, you know, uh, role players in the NFL. Um, so from that standpoint, you could justify it. However, the, if you get a trade offer of any note, then I think you cash it in for exactly that reason. He is the number four guy. He's looking at like 300 total snaps, and maybe three or 400 yards at best. And, um, and so, you know, yeah, he, you, you go ahead and you, you cash that in for a third round pick. If you get it, if you get the, the option to, but you and wouldn't fire they, sale him, right? Wouldn't what you wouldn't fire sale him. Uh, oh, sell him um, at salvage. You mean like a sixth round pick or something yeah. like that? Or? Yeah. Just no. to get the, the money off the books. Um, no, I, I wouldn't be inclined. I'd, I'd really wrestle with it. I probably would ultimately do it for a fourth. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd wrestle with it for a, for a fifth or, and lower than that. But, um, cause those picks just don't matter that much at that point. But yeah, I think that, uh, I think you make the case that if you do not get the right trade offer, you go ahead and, and keep them just on a, a just in case injury basis. But, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a tough one uh, because I don't think he fits particularly well with what they're trying to do uh, anymore. And he's he's going to have a well, he's going to have a heck of a time beating out um, Cedric Wilson for playing time because Cedric because of the kind of player that Cedric Wilson is not necessarily and versatility. Oh, yeah, it's not necessarily. Oh, you're saying Cedric Wilson is better than Devontae Parker, who a couple of years ago he was like what a. 1200 yard receiver or something like mm-hmm. that yeah um it's not that it, it's a fit thing um it's a it's a scheme demand thing uh so we'll see um i think that uh right now it's good to have a little bit too much if they do get them if they're able to monetize them for a third round pick i would I actually kind of look for them to package both of those third round picks up to move into like the second round targeting a guy like I, I think they would like to come out of this draft with like maybe one guy that they think can play, that they think can contribute. Happen I, I would agree with that. One, that's not going to happen. I pick one hundred two. You know, it's not going to happen. I pick one twenty five. Um, so if they if they could package up two third round picks, maybe even throw in pick one twenty five as well, 
to move up and get just that one guy that they think can play. I don't know which position, maybe it's right tackle. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, a running back. Um, somebody that they think could really contribute. I bet that they would call that a success. I, w- I would tend to agree, which brings us to the draft and the entire month of April, we're going to be building what is essentially our draft guide. We'll start next week with, I don't know, maybe quarterbacks and running backs. We'll go in order just like we did last year. But that brings us to the draft. What needs are on this team? Are they just the same? Because I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not looking at drafting a single offensive lineman in this draft unless I could get an obvious center. Because drafting a tackle at 102 and, and then just plugging him into play, like I, I don't know if that's advisable. Like we've tried that it, before. Well, I mean, they're not going to plug him into play, but um, so there's, there's legitimate uh, argument to be made that you just can't even get uh, a quality tackle, like even a developmental quality tackle that low anymore Mm -hmm. that 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 position is one that you have to get pretty high um there's definitely that there's but there's uh running backs you can certainly get running backs uh that especially in this system there's a there's a history of this system uh prioritizing skills that maybe not every system does yeah last year last year uh 49ers took trey sermon in the third round elijah mitchell in the sixth round yeah, and Elijah Mitchell was the ended up being a guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's history there. You could go for running back. Um, I don't think you give up on offensive linemen. I think you have to keep uh going because yeah, I love that they have Teron Armstead and I love that they have Connor Williams. Um but still and Robert Hunt, I still believe he can he can play and and uh, try and work into the system. But then it's like, it's not only they don't have another really good starter that, but the backups are, are not good either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like fill, fill up, fill up the offensive line to me uh, with some, some more players, uh, depending on what they do in the sort of the bottom, the bottom scraping free agency portion. So what do you think that they're looking at? Because I think they're absolutely looking at a linebacker uh, that can play inside versatile, that could play several positions. Uh, there was one that uh, Kyle Krabs was all over this guy. And, you know, I, I looked up, looked him up. I haven't watched him play because he played at Montana State. Who the hell seen him play <laughs> at Montana State? But he was in the senior bowl. Troy Anderson, I don't know of your opinion of him, but – he seems to check every box. He's giant, can run, can play inside, outside. He can even play defensive end, even play running back and a little bit of quarterback in high school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, like, I think a linebacker at 102, if they stay put, is the most likely position. Do you agree? The most likely? Um, no, not, okay. not, not necessarily. I think. Um, I think Mike McDaniel is here. Mike McDaniel was always going to weigh in on offensive linemen, right? And mm-hmm. and to some extent they did. Frank Smith, I think, weighed in on offensive linemen too. And I think that that might be more reflective. Um, Mike McDaniel was, he came in, he was going to weigh in exactly on what sort of running back is they need for this system. 
And they have to be very aware that Raheem Mostert has, you know, is coming off injuries, doesn't have a, a history of staying healthy. Um, and that Chase Edmonds is, and so you might just have Chase Edmonds and then someone else and you're not Raheem Mostert, you know, and, and who's that, who's that going to be? Um, they know that Mike, Mike McDaniel is here to pick a guy. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like if you, you get a quarterback, so-called quarterback whisperer on your team, uh, as, as your coach, he's here to pick a quarterback, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel is here to pick a running back. Um, so I think that they're going to have him do that. And I think that it could very well be at that 102 pick or the 125 pick. They're going to they're gonna want his input and they're going to want to, you know, Chris Greer, of course, is, is going to weigh, weigh in heavily on it too. But um, I think there's a strong possibility that that's where they're going. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Now – on the way out, pick 102, Matt Ariza, any possibility? <laughs> you know, if that would Because I've had, uh, look, I've had so many people, okay, uh, get onto our, our three yards per carry Twitter account or even my Twitter account and ask me, 102, why not just take Matt Ariza? And my response is always the same way. We're never going to punt, so why would we need a punter, right? Do you really want a punter? Like he, He's a weapon for the defense, though. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Uh, it tends to make sense, but if you, you know, if if he's really, really necessary, it means that you kind of failed on your offensive build because you're not supposed to punt that much. <laughs> I'll, let me put it this way, though. Think about it. Put- Buffalo Bills last year in two games in the playoffs punted three times total. Total. What what game were we watching where they didn't punt a single time? The Bills against the, the Patriots. They scored every single time they had the ball against the Patriots. Yeah, it was the Bills. I remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think we're going to – I don't I don't think – we should have no illusions that the offense is going to suddenly become that. But um, <laughs> but I think that it's interesting because I said that they'd like to come out of this draft with one player that they can count on. A punter, <laughs> well, a punter he, could be it. You know? He's a weapon for that. Like I said, a weapon for the defense. You know, it, it's legitimate. If so let's say, for example, they don't trade Devontae Parker, like they just can't, like they don't get the offers and whatever. Mm. Um, so they're left with that one on two pick and that one twenty five pick. I would not at all be surprised to see them go punter running back in those two or running back punter in those two picks. Mm. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Um, you know, the they'd be, they'd come away thinking. I think the two goals, two biggest goals in this draft are going to be come away with a running back you know, to add to the room and come away with one guy that, that you're pretty sure is going to contribute. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe, that, maybe both, maybe both are the same guy, but we'll see. Yeah. The thing I always say about a punter is that you never notice them until you do. And if we're going to be playing for, you know, if we're going to be playing for, for a championship here, you know, eventually we are going to notice like, Hey, you know, our punter sucks, <laughs> you know, like uh, it was, it was a weird thing. Cause you know, I, I had forgotten for a while that Matt Hawk was the punter for the, the Bills. And then all of a sudden I see him punting against the Chiefs in the second round and he hit one 22 yards. And I'm like, ooh, they're like, that's not good, right? <laughs> so when that happens is when you notice him. So yeah, maybe Matt Ariza. The, the, although, like I, again, like I said, you know, the whole the whole goal is to never punt. So, you know, if 
if you're really, you know, like Dave Wanstead would want a good, really good punter, you know? I don't think Mike McDaniel cares as much. Although Chris Greer will, because he's already mentioned him twice. He's mentioned the position twice, so he'll be looking at that. Uh, All right. That's it. There is no more. Next week, we get into the draft, leading up to the draft in Las Vegas, where I will be there, and so will Chris. And I, I, I don't know what we're going to be doing for, for those three days, but I guess we're just... Honestly, honestly now that they, they don't have, like, anything to do, I'm, I'm just like, I guess I'm just going to party out there. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know? Uh, and I guess we'll cover pick 102 when it gets there. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. So, draft into it big time next week. I guess for everybody else. But, you know. We kind of like to cover and people do look up to us for that. I actually have a Bills podcast that, that is very interested in what we say. Nice. <laughs> you know, next week. So talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.